Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. You know, at Christmas, we sometimes find ourselves with presents. Uh, we receive presents that don't work or they don't fit or something along those lines, and so we need to exchange them at the store or send them back to Amazon, exchange them for something that works. Well, uh, this Christmas season, our sermon series is kind of based off of that concept, the concept of making an exchange, but instead of, you know, exchanging gifts, Christmas gifts, what we want to exchange are these thought patterns and these behaviors and these dispositions that keep us from effectively living for Christ and his kingdom. Last week, I talked about the need for us to exchange our worry for trust in God. Well, today I want to talk about exchanging our hurt. Now, for the most part, suffering and trials and troubles and tribulations, you know, they're not things we choose to go through, although sometimes the choices that we make in life, I mean, they, they kind of force us to go through some things, but a lot of times it's not. Sometimes circumstances just happen. You know, sometimes trials come our way. We didn't ask for them. We weren't expecting them. There's nothing we did in our life to bring them upon ourselves, they just kind of happen. It could be a health issue, it could be a money issue, it could be a relationship issue, it could be a loss of some sort. And we might think that because we didn't ask for these things to happen, we didn't necessarily cause them to happen, that, well, there's really not a whole lot that we can do about it. I mean, there's nothing on us to, to be able to do. I mean, we can understand why worry is a problem because, well, let's face it, we bring worry upon ourselves. Worry is something that we cause, and we can exchange that worry for trust, but we think that since we didn't uh, choose hurt, we didn't choose the trials and tribulations, we're, there's nothing that we can do. Now, you know, just because we didn't choose the hurt doesn't mean we can't choose what to do with the hurt. Just because we didn't choose the hurt doesn't mean we can't choose how we allow it to affect our lives, how we allow it to affect our walk with God, how we allow it to affect our choices, how we allow it to affect the attitudes that we take on. We might not choose the hurt, but we can choose what to do with the hurt. We can choose to live our life on the basis of the hurt instead of living to choose in spite of the hurt and living for Christ. Sometimes people choose to allow the hurt to determine how they live. And sometimes we choose not to deal with the hurt in a healthy manner. We choose not to deal with the hurt in a biblical manner. And so we choose to cling to the hurt. We choose to excuse the hurt. We choose to use the hurt as a crutch sometimes. There's some people that can't fathom living without clinging to the hurt because the hurt gives them their identity. They allow the hurt to define who they are instead of Christ defining who they are. And so Christians are able to make an exchange. Now, unbelievers, non-Christians, are not able to make this exchange. I mean, they have the hurt and they have nothing, they have nothing else to do with the hurt. They, can't, they don't know what to do with the hurt. But we do. We have something we can do with the hurt. You know, and we, we, we can ask Christ for an eternal comfort that he offers. 
But now this eternal comfort doesn't mean that the hurt goes away. I mean, just because we look to God for comfort through Jesus Christ doesn't mean, ooh, the hurt just magically disappears. But it does mean that the hurt no longer has to be our identity. It means that, you know, the hurt doesn't have to be, have to be the determining factor in who we are. You know, through his comfort, we can allow Christ to be our identity. And we're able to live for him with the hurt. And he is with us in the hurt. And he is beside us in the hurt. When we look to him for his wonderful comforts. And so that's what we want to do today. We want to exchange allowing hurt to live our life. And we want to exchange it for the comforts of Christ, where he is with us every step of the way. And so I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses. As Paul begins with the praise. And Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would touch the hurt and give comfort and Lord point us to you, the comforter in all things. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So today let's answer the question, what spiritual truths can take us on this path to exchange our hurt for comfort? And first, I want to talk about the need to admit the reality of our hurt. Admit the reality of our hurt. I mean, admit the reality that, guess what? Everybody hurts. Everybody has hurt. Everyone is going to hurt. This is a world full of hurt because this is a world that is cursed. But, you know, it goes beyond that as well. I mean, it, it, it's, you know... Yeah, we can admit there's hurt in the world, just kind of like we admit that there's sin in the world. But it goes beyond that, because we need to admit how the hurt has affected us. A lot of people try to deny that they have allowed their hurt to affect their lives. You think that this incident, you think that this person has not affected you, and yet it's, deter it's a determining factor in all that you do. I see this a lot in people who cling to the past. Have you ever been in conversation with someone who talks about a hurt 
that happened to them decades ago. I knew one lady whose, whose husband passed away at a young age in their 30s. And she was left to raise their two boys on her own. And now she, she was in her 70s. And every day she talked about the fact that God took her husband away from her when she was in her 30s. Decades later, it still determined her life. It affected her life. And people, they, they say they get over it, but they haven't. They haven't. And it means it needs to be dealt with biblically. And so, you know, there's a lot of programs that tell us to, the first step is to admit that we have an issue. Well, we sometimes need to admit that I've been hurt and I have allowed the hurt to determine my course in life. We admit that there's hurt in the world. We admit that we're going to be hurt. We have been hurt. We've done the hurting. But then we need to admit, you know, how the hurt has affected us. And Paul did this in a healthy way. I mean, we find in our passage that Paul admits that he ran into a lot of suffering trials and, and hurt. He mentions in verse 8 that he and his compatriots ran into some sort of problems in Asia that caused a great affliction. Now, Paul does not have a flair for the dramatic. He isn't just going to get all dramatic just for the sake of getting dramatic. He's not looking for sympathy. He's not looking for our attention. He's just stating facts. The things in Asia were so bad, it's, he says that he lost all strength to the point where he despaired of life and it seemed like he was going to die. And that's quite literal because he, you know, he's talking about he probably was going to die for his profession of faith in Christ. And yeah, you know, sometimes we get all dramatic about our hurt and, you know, we, we, we get dramatic. Oh, I'm going to die. You know, sometimes when, when us guys, like me, we get sick and it's like, oh, I'm going to die. You just have a sniffle, you know. But... Paul wasn't being dramatic like that. I mean, he very well could have died. But this is the sufferings that he says, you know, I, but I, I shared the sufferings of Christ. And you know, we all do that to the point as well. But he suffered. He had a lot of hurt. I mean, later in the, in the book, he talks about the fact that he was whipped, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, and all this other stuff. Paul doesn't deny the hurt and suffering that he went through. But here's the difference. Paul's life wasn't identified with the hurt and suffering that he went through. His identity was in Christ. That's my identity. Yes, I've gone through all this other stuff, but I'm, my identity is in, in, in Christ. And you know what? We share that with Paul in that, in that yes, we have been hurt. And we're, now we're ready, you know, we're quick to admit there's hurt in the world. Just like, oh, I'm a sinner. Yeah, we're, everyone's a sinner. We, we're, we're quick to admit that, but we, I don't think we think about the consequences of what we say. If the hurt is the driving force in our life, you know what, we have to admit that too. It's not going to go away just because you ignore it. The hurt will not go away just because you ignore it. There was this guy who went to the doctor. He complained that his head and his neck were hurting so terribly. And the doctor looked at him and, and the doctor noticed that there was this large goose, this heavy goose who had nested on the guy's head, sitting on his head. And so the doctor asked the man how long that goose had been sitting and nesting on his head. And the guy replied, what goose? The doctor told him, you want to stop hurting? 
take the goose off of your head. But the man was adamant that there was no goose. And the man left the doctor's office still in pain because he denied the reality of the cause of the pain, and therefore he refused the treatment. If your hurt is a driving force in your life, but you deny that it's a driving force in your life, you can't wonder why the pain is still there. And what you need to do is to seek the remedy. And thankfully, there is a remedy, and so that's the second theological lesson we want to learn today. We can acquire the remedy for our hurt. We are able to acquire the remedy for our hurt. Paul praises God here, right at the beginning, because in his mercy, God comforts people when they are hurt and in affliction. This is what, uh, this is what God offers to the hurting people. He offers comfort. In fact, you know, that word comfort, you may have noticed, I mean, it's like mentioned over like 10 or more times here in, in this passage. You have hurt, you have affliction, you have trials, you have trouble. God offers comfort. You give God your hurt, he will give you his comfort in Christ. Now, the word used for comfort is paraclete. It means encourager. It means one who comes alongside of you. And so Paul is saying that God is the one who can comfort you in your hurt because he's the one who comes alongside of you. It means that this, this is not something that is just passive. God is not passive in his comfort. God doesn't just come beside us and pat us on the head and say, there, there, it'll be okay. That's not how God works. This is, this is something concrete. It's a concrete intervention in the midst of our hurt. It means that he walks with us in our hurt. He works in our lives through our hurt. He uses a lot of different methods. Sometimes he uses the church. Sometimes he uses his word. Sometimes he uses ministry of others. Sometimes you know, he, the, the Holy Spirit comes upon us in a peaceful way. And so he comforts us actively. When your hurt is causing you to feel worried, feel lonely, feel tired, weary, discouraged, God actively walks beside us to comfort us and to encourage us. In a reality, what does he say about this comfort? What can we learn about this comfort? Well, first notice that it says in verse 4 that God comforts in all affliction. I mean, there is no hurt that anyone goes through that God will not offer consolation to help you walk through it. Again, that does not mean he takes the hurt away. It's saying he walks with you in the hurt. And there is not a human experience that God will not offer his comfort. God does not say, okay, well, this person over here is going through this. I'll them, but this person over here, well, they're going through that. And, well, I, I don't touch that. God's, that's not God. He comforts in all affliction. Don't think that your hurt is so unique that even God can't help you. He can and he will. The hurt might, is not going to go away, but God's comfort is actively working in your life to assist, to encourage while you are through that hurt so it does not have to be the driving force in your life. But another aspect of, of this comfort that I want you to notice is, is that this comfort has no ending. According to verse 5, Paul admits that, yeah, you know what, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, but then in Christ we also share 
abundantly in Christ's comfort. There's abundant comfort. God won't run out of comfort. Our God is a limitless God. You know, we're told throughout Scripture that God gives grace to the sinner. Well, can you ever out God's grace? No. God doesn't run out of grace. Well, guess what? You can't out-hurt God's comfort. God will not run out of comfort. God will not, you know, get tired of you and say, okay, you know what? I'm sick and tired of comforting this person. I'm going to move on to other things. It's abundant. It's always there. He never runs out. You can't experience so much hurt that you can outrun God's comfort. The more you hurt, the more comfort he gives. Another aspect of this comfort I want you to notice is that the comfort that we receive for current hurts gives us faith that he's going to comfort us in future hurts. In verse 10, Paul testified that God helped him walk through whatever in the world that trouble was in Asia. And now he says, I have this hope and this faith that, well, whatever else is going to come my way, whatever other hurts are going to come my way, God's going to be able to help comfort me in those future trials also. Ultimately, yeah, I mean, our deliverance comes at our death when we're glorified, but until then, we can rest assured that whatever comes our way, God will actively comfort us through what we go through. And finally, a final aspect of this comfort that I want you to notice is that we receive, you know, the comfort that we receive for our hurt, it, it, it's, its basis is in the gospel of Jesus Christ because if God is able to heal us from our deepest wound, which is sin, he is more than capable, capable of comforting us through what, whatever our affliction might be. And again, just like our salvation in Jesus Christ didn't take away the reality of sin in our lives, we still sin. Well, the comfort he gives won't take away the hurt in our lives. We'll still have hurt, but it no longer needs to be the driving force of who we are. And it, this is important to know about God's comfort because our natural tendency is to turn to the world to deal with our hurt. We think that the world, if it, if it doesn't give us a solution, it at least can make the hurt bearable. So we turn to the world instead of turning to God. We look to entertainment or sports or whatever, sin, to try and get that hurt off of our mind. We turn to drugs and alcohol to numb, but none of those methods will make the hurt subside. And the devil knows this. So if the devil can get you to obsess over your hurt or get obsessed over numbing your hurt, he knows you won't be effective for the kingdom. When all you do is live to hurt, live or even live to hide, try and hide the hurt, I mean, you're just existing. You're not living for, for Christ. There's a difference between existing and living. The devil wants you to exist. He, don't, he doesn't care if you exist. God wants you to live. And there's a big difference between the two. And so we run to the comforter. He gives us a remedy. But we also notice that God can take the hurt and the comfort and he can do something with it in our lives. And so the third lesson I want us to see today is we acknowledge the results from our hurt. Acknowledge what has come from our hurt or the way, acknowledge the ways that God has used our hurt because God can use our hurt and the comfort that he gives us to grow us and to fulfill his work here on earth. Um, 
That's why we're told by Paul in Romans, right, that for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, he will work together for good anything that goes on in our lives. Not that it is good, but he will work it together for good. He'll work it towards something. We can think of Joseph in the Old Testament. He was hurt by his brothers by being sold into slavery, and then he was falsely accused of rape, and then he was forgotten about in prison. And yet God raised him up to a position of prominence to save many people during the famine, including his own family. God used the hurt and the comfort that he gave to fulfill purposes. We think of Christ, who died the innocent sacrifice to save people from their sin. God used Christ's hurt to bring about our salvation. Well, God can use his comfort and our hurt in similar ways. According to verse 6, one way that God can use his comfort his comfort in our hurt is that it will give us patient endurance. You know, we, can, we often speak of the Christian life as a, it's a marathon, as opposed to like a 100-meter dash or something. It's a marathon. It's the long haul. In order to run a marathon, you need to build endurance for that great distance. I think in, in Memphis, the St. Jude Marathon just happened this weekend. And I had several friends who ran the marathon. You know why they were able to run that marathon? They built up their endurance. You know, if all of a sudden, yesterday morning, I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to drive to Memphis and I'm going to run that marathon. You know what would have happened? After about 10 feet, I would have fallen over and said, no, I don't think so. Why? Because I didn't have endurance. I don't have endurance. Don't think I'll ever have that endurance, but it's a marathon. And our life is... Like that, you know, we're not serving God in bits and pieces. We're not serving God in 100-meter dashes. We're, we serve God over the long haul, haul, over the marathon. And when we go to God with our hurt and allow him to comfort us in our walk, we're building that endurance to live for him. We're building that endurance to have a successful, victorious life that God can use for his purposes. But, you know, not only does God use his comfort in, in our hurt, to uh, gain endurance, but through his comfort to our hurt, we learn to rely on him. We learn a very important lesson that we are to rely on God. According to verse 9 in, in our passage, Paul recognized that God used this situation in Asia so he would learn not to rely on himself, but to rely on the God who raises Christ and others from the dead. You know, because in our, in our trials and our tribulations, we learn, I am not in control and I have no control over the future. I have no strength in order to cope with this that's going on. And if I go to a coping mechanism in the world, I mean, it's like a Band-Aid. It's not, it's not going to be a big help. We can't lean in on our own strength to get through the hurt because guess what? We have none. So later in, in this same letter, Paul tells us, the lesson that he learned in his hurt, in his trials. And to run to comfort, you know, uh, run to God for comfort. Paul learned that God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. God's strength is displayed and shown to be perfect in our weaknesses. When our hurt and suffering and, and weaknesses abound. God's comfort and grace and strength abound even more. In our, in our weakness, in our vulnerability, 
through the hurts of this world, we become stronger when we tear away the self-confidence and we tear away the self-reliance and we take away the self-indulgence, having it taken away from us, and we're forced to rely on the one who has eternal strength. And so we learn to rely on God. But another result from him comforting us in our hurt is, and Paul repeats this in this passage several times, is we receive this comfort from God so that we're equipped to be able to pass that comfort on to others. God gives us comfort so we can be a comfort to others. So we are a tool of his comfort in other people's lives. For example, in verse 4, Paul says he received comfort in affliction so that he'd be able to be a comfort to any in the Corinthian church with the same comfort he received from God. And in verse 6, he recognizes that the hurt and the affliction along with the comfort that he receives, it's for the benefit of others. I am given this comfort so I can be a comfort. So the comfort we receive from God during our times of pain are not just for us, it's for us to become a tool in God's hands so we're able to be a tool of comfort to others. You know, this is true in a general sense when we're just generally a comfort, but I believe it's true in a specific sense, meaning that we go through specific things in our lives we go through specific hurts in our lives and we receive God's comfort so that we're able to be a comfort to those who are going through the same exact experiences that we went through. God will not waste our hurt and God will not waste his comfort. He will use it. Paul, he talks about the afflictions. He was afflicted through persecution for the faith and God comforted him through that persecution so that he was better equipped to comfort those who were going through persecution as well. And now many of you have gone through a hurt and you have received God's comfort so that you can now offer that comfort to those who are going through the same exact thing that you are or have gone through or will go through. You are used as a tool of comfort. You know, it wasn't until my dad went through cancer and through in and out of the hospital and eventually him passing away that I would know how to comfort those who lose a loved one. And, you know, as a pastor, you're supposed to be the shepherd. You're supposed to be the one generally comforting people. That's what, what people expect. But there are things you all go through that I have never gone through that I am not as equipped to comfort you in as those in the church who have gone through the same thing. I have never been divorced. I, and so I'm not able to comfort those who are going through that as much as someone who has gone through that and received God's comfort. I've never experienced a miscarriage. So I'm not able to comfort as well as, I'm not equipped to comfort, as well as those who have lost children like that and are able to come alongside and comfort. God doesn't waste the hurt, and God doesn't waste the comfort. Our hurt and comfort we received is used by God for greater things in our lives, but it's also used for greater things in the lives of others. Finally, and very quickly, though, I want to note how to access the road to our healing. 
how to access the road to our healing. After Paul talks about the affliction in Asia in, in verse 11, he notes that the help from the church came through prayer. The prayers of the church helped Paul find the comfort that he needed in his time of affliction. You know, we, we talk about finding our comfort in God. How do we access that comfort? What do we do? In the book of Hebrews, we we're told, approach the throne of grace so you're able to receive and find the mercies and comfort we need we, 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 that we have for our time of need or that we need in our time of need, I guess you could say. You know, we cannot expect to find comfort from God if we're just constantly wringing our hands and worrying and fretting and thinking, no, that's not how we find the comfort of God. When we hurt, we go to the Lord in prayer, and there we find the comfort we need. I think of King Hezekiah in the Old Testament. He received a letter from the Assyrian king and the Assyrian leadership. And in that letter, it said, okay, we're going to come and we're going to conquer you. You can't rely on your government. You can't rely on your God. You might as well just give up now. And, you know, we might not kill all of you, but you're going, to be, you're going to become ours. We're on our way. We're just sending you advance notice. We're on our way, and you might as well give up. So what did Hezekiah do with that news? He didn't fret. He didn't worry. He didn't wring his hands. He took that letter. He went into the temple of God. He laid it before God, and he prayed. This is what's going on, God. And because of that incident, later in his life, Hezekiah was told by God through a prophet, get your affairs in order, you're going to die. You know, that's not the best news when you hear straight from God, you're going to die. So what did he do? He turned to prayer, just like he had done before. Hezekiah knew that no matter the affliction that he was going through, he would be able to find God's comfort when he went to the Lord in prayer. And we're blessed to do the same. I don't know what burden you're carrying. Everyone here is carrying a burden. I don't know what it is, but I do know the one who takes care of that burden and the one who comes alongside and who comforts. He is faithful and true, and he wants you to come to him in his time of need. And so I close with, with this thought. I read the story about a man named Elisha Hoffman, and he was a son of a preacher, and then he himself became a, a Presbyterian preacher in Pennsylvania. And for his pastime, he would write hymns. That was the thing he did on his off time. He would, he would write hymns, and a lot of his hymns were inspired by the experiences that he had as a, as a pastor. Well, one day, he was ministering to the poor in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and there he met this woman who, who was hurt, very depressed, I mean, beyond cure. She was just, seemed to be beyond cure, and she opened her heart and poured out all her hurts to him, all her sorrows, wringing her hands, and she cried out, what shall I do? What shall I do? Well, I mean, Hoffman knew the answer, being a pastor and himself one who received the comforts of Christ. He said to the woman, you cannot do better than to take all your sorrows and pains and hurts to Jesus. You must tell Jesus. Suddenly, it's like the light bulb, the proverbial light bulb went off, and her face lit up, and she's like, 
yes, that's what I must do. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Later on, those words echoed in his ears, and he mulled them over, and when he returned home, he grabbed pen and paper, and he started writing. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, and Jesus alone. Yes, famous hymn we've sung in church many a time, and how true those words are. Christian, exchange your hurt. Exchange having your hurt live your life for you. Exchange it for the comfort that is found in, in God through Jesus Christ. How? You must tell Jesus. You must tell Jesus. Give him your hurt. Allow him to give you his comfort. Do not let your hurt determine your life anymore. Come to the altar today, give him your hurt, take upon you his comfort. But if you're not a Christian, your hurt and sorrow will follow you wherever you go, even into eternity. You can find eternal comfort for here and now and for eternity by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and you will be comforted. You'll be comforted to know that you know where your soul is headed and that you will be with God forever. And so give your life to Christ today. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.